Show me the money. The Aging Workforce Forum Editions. New Zealand is aging. How prepared are we? Uh, I'd like to introduce you Greg McAllister, GM now of Chandler McLeod, OCG Consulting Limited and Luminary. Now, Greg and I go a little wee way back. Uh, when I worked for ANZ Wealth and before that ING, uh, we were competitors as KiwiSaver providers. So we always had good robust discussions and um, expecting some, some interesting comments and thoughts and if not anything else, some um, very honest comments from the hip. David, uh, David and I were in fact competitors at one point in time, both leading KiwiSaver schemes. But uh, Delighted with the opportunity to shoot from the hip, I think he said, put no slides up and try and stick to time. Uh, neither uh, the last point I'm not entirely good at, but I'm sure someone will keep give me my mark at around about 12 minutes. <coughs> Spent most of my career in some way, shape or form dealing with the issue of career path and pattern. And in fact, my latter years at university wrote a thesis which explored the development of outplacement and career transition programs in the workplaces of the late 80s and published that thesis in uh, the early 90s. And as a 20-year-old, I was confronted with a whole lot of individuals who were in their 50s, who had somehow been separated from peers in their workplace, placed in a room and given the news that their job was over. And you can imagine the kind of conversation that I engaged with them around what next. And I suppose that was a challenging moment for me in my career as a young person who had absolutely no experience from the real work environment, having been an academic um, up until that point. I then spent a good chunk of my career, nearly 20, working inside a DHB, telecommunications company and a major bank. Developed my career as a general manager in human resources and we grappled with those issues constantly around retention of capability, as an organisation, as a bank, not this one, but as a bank, had an ageing workforce, but technology was changing. And as a consequence of that, the nature of the jobs inside our organisation adapted rapidly, and the force of change saw many of those people, in a way, become redundant skill sets. As the bank became more retail focused, hugely digitalised, use of technology hugely pushed. And as a consequence of that, many of the older workers found their skill sets being pushed further and further from the front line. Now I find myself leading a recruitment business. But more importantly than that, we engage in hundreds of conversations every day with employers, and with employees. And at the front of every one of those conversations and at the back of every one of those conversations will be conversations which my consultants must engage in, which is around where do you see this next step taking you? Where do you see your career developing? And career conversations like that become an instrumental part in the things that we do. I want to challenge a few words that have been dropped on the table today. And first of all, the word retirement. Let's start at the top. Because what really is retirement? And I suppose when I was a young career transition consultant, 
and then a general manager human resources and as a competitor with David leading I think still the single largest KiwiSaver scheme in the country it was it was David but um, we knew that actually the biggest problem and we shouted this from the top the biggest problem was around people having the affordability to retire. And perhaps the reason we stand so high in the OECD in terms of age participation in the workforce is just a fundamental structural issue in our economy, which is very few of us can afford to retire. But let's challenge that as well. Because I can tell you about the 50-year-olds, the 60-year-olds, and the 70-year-olds who want to work, who are able to work, and who are willing to work. And they are perplexed when they talk to prospective employers or talk to us as consultants, be it career transition consultants or recruitment consultants, about why it is an individual with so much experience, so much to offer, so willing to be flexible, so willing to reduce their expectations around salary, can't get their resume through the gate, can't get a conversation with a hiring manager, and are given throwaway lines like, you're simply too experienced. How is that? How can that be a legitimate answer for a prospective and very capable employee. And I think we have a real dilemma here. And on the one hand, we can address it through policy. And regulation will guide what I do and what companies I work with do in respect of their responsibilities to talk to, to engage, to consider, and to employ, and to protect, and to keep safe the older worker. And if we can take the heat out of the I can't afford to retire question, wouldn't it be nice if we all had the flexibility to engage in a sensible conversation without the impediment of age, which said, sure, what if you worked three days a week or three months of the year? What if you offered back some of your industry knowledge and experience what if you were able to mentor and develop people in our workplace? Because on the other hand, as, as an employer, my challenge is developing the careers of the younger people as well. Because on the one hand, I need to grow my capability, but on the other hand, without your experience and wisdom, I have little chance of achieving that. Now, flexibility legislation's helped us. Attitudes towards discrimination, and that's the second word I want to throw out, is I don't think we deliberately discriminate. And I think in the public domain, we would be very careful about words that even reflected that possibility. But I'm telling you now, I'm quite sure there is age-related bias everywhere. And we saw that in the videos from the opening speaker. I would see it and hear it on occasion in the course of my job and in the course of my team's jobs now. And I think one of the really important issues for us to think about is how do we learn to remove that kind of bias?
So for me, I think the challenge is twofold, though. This isn't uh, employers need to change their attitudes and governments need to regulate. There are two sides to this coin. The first side of the coin is employers need to learn how to deal with older workers. And I guess I'm qualified to do that because I've got a five in front of my age. But uh, we've got to learn to deal with older workers. Flexibility policies help enormously. Retraining policies help enormously. But I've got to say, I think one of the issues that organisations really have to grapple with is helping younger line managers figure out how to manage older workers, how to approach the issues of an older worker. And one of the shout-outs we saw in one of the videos earlier was something around, you don't fit our culture. You, know, you can't dance like the rest of us at the Christmas party, for example. So on the one hand, I think organisations have to really deal with that issue of career management, career development and bias towards older workers. But I'm also going to say one last thing, and that is I think as older workers, we, they, need to help, they have to recalibrate their expectations too. We've conducted four pieces of research in the last three years because it's important to us as an organisation to understand what's happening in the world of work, what's happening in the world of candidates, because as consultants in the recruitment game, that's a critical part of our daily job. Those pieces of research started initially as a fundamental piece of research which looked at age-related issues in the workplace. So 2014, two pieces of research one heavily focused in the Crown sector, the other in the private sector. And the outcomes from that research have been heavily thrown on the wall today by all of my previous speakers. So the issues are the same, I'm not going to bore you with those slides. We then moved on. We looked at the war for talent. We recognised the war for talent would demand employers find a way to use older workers because simply the experience and capability that sat in the workforce ageing was talent that they would have to find a way to access, to utilise and to source at some point in the future. So the evidence was there again that the ageing talent was going to have to be accessed in the, in the war for talent. The third piece of research last year focused on flexibility in the workplace, this year focused on flexibility in the workplace. And that piece of research clearly demonstrated that despite the rhetoric, despite the legislation, that organisations still had to step up to the plate in terms of finding approaches to build flexibility into their workplace. And I guess nowhere more importantly, older workers were demanding more flexibility, not more pay, in an effort to stay on and contribute, which was important to them. And then finally, the last piece of research that we've commissioned, and it's very easy to do this because we can send surveys to thousands of candidates who talk to us over the course of a lifetime and numerous employers who engage with us in the course of a year. And the contingent workforce, the rise of the contingent workforce was the last piece of research in white paper that we concluded just earlier this year. And that again clearly demonstrated that baby boomers were a critical component of the contingent workforce. And I think herein lies some interesting threads, and I'll finish. Those threads were, we can't avoid the fact that we're getting older. 
we can't avoid the fact that a lot of people want to continue to work, not just because of the economic imperative, because KiwiSaver and whatever we ever else we do at a public policy level to support those people to continue working uh, or retiring or whatever combination of those two things they choose, older workers want life-work balance, not work-life. They want life-work balance. They want to be able to enjoy life with their families and their grandkids, but equally contribute to society. Yes, earn a buck, but not necessarily earn a buck. They want to keep their mind alive. And in our mind, the last piece of research just completed around contingent workforce is a big call out to employers. In that survey, we saw not just a rise in the number of contingent workers in the New Zealand workplace in the last year, but projections out through the next five years from employers and from employees alike was that the number of contingent workers would continue to rise significantly through the next five years. By contingent worker, I mean people who work part-time, people who work as consultants, people who work as contractors, or people who engage in some voluntary capacity within an organisation, but they're not a paid permanent employee necessarily, or even an employee. And not surprisingly, a big chunk of that pool of contingent workers are 50 years plus. So there's life in us yet. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for another Show Me The Money. Produced by the Commission for Financial Capability, helping Kiwis build wealthy lives.